This is Nuclear Knowledge. A production of the National Institute for Deterrence Studies. Welcome into another episode of Nuclear Knowledge. Of course, if you listen to Nuclear View, you may have heard my voice before. I, of course, am Adam Lowther. And today I want to talk about attack time compression. Now, in the history of nuclear weapons, we've had three major developments in nuclear weapons delivery systems. And these developments drove the development of integrated tactical warning and attack assessment. And this is really important when thinking about attack time compression. So with the development of the Soviet nuclear bomb in 1949, and then their ability to deliver them via bomber, the United States experienced attack time compression for the first time. They literally, the United States had to respond because now they faced the possibility of attack from a Soviet bomber. So therefore, they had a limited window to respond. Now, thus, the United States in 1954 built the Pine Tree Line, which was a system of radars that were in the high north that gave the United States approximately 200 miles of warning time because that's how far the radars could, the radars could pick up Soviet bombers. So that was the initial NC-3 Integrated Tactical Warning and Attack Assessment. Now, when the Soviet Union put Sputnik into space, it meant that they had a rocket that could also deliver a nuclear weapon to the United States. Because if you can put a satellite in space, you can also deliver a warhead to the United States. Thus, we see the, the next iteration of attack time compression. So we went from having hours and hundreds of miles of advanced warning to this period in which we have the ICBM, because ultimately the rockets that put Sputnik in space became ICBMs. And so therefore we had a an attack time compression period in which we went from hours down to about 30 minutes or so. And the United States would, of course, no longer have such a long warning time. And it's, you know, down now down to minutes. And th this is important. It's an important thing to keep in mind as we think about attack time compression. And then as we eventually get to the modern day. So thus, ICBMs drove this this period of attack time compression. And of course, what happened? What did the United States do in response? Well, by the, the 1960s, we built BMUs, the Ballistic Missile Early Warning System. And then by the 1970s, the United States built space-based capabilities to detect the infrared signatures of ballistic missile launches and then we built capabilities in terrestrial-based radars that would give us dual phenomenology. And in this whole period, 
we are trying to gain better insight while at the same time we're experiencing, you guessed it, attack time compression. So it's this reduction of the amount of time that we have to respond. The next major development that initiates additional attack time compression is the development of the submarine launch ballistic missile uh, in the night by, you know, the early 1960s. We were building these ballistic missile submarines and the earliest submarine launch ballistic missiles about 1960. And then throughout the 1960s, when this becomes fielded capabilities, we again have this period of attack time compression in which we go from hours with bombers to 30 minutes or so with ICBMs. Now we're down to 15 to 20 minutes of advanced warning based on where the ballistic missile submarine is, is located in the Pacific or the Atlantic Ocean. So again, another attack time compression. Now, if we think about the modern day, and let me just add, with that attack time compression, we developed additional radars that we put in the ocean. We developed additional satellite systems looking at places that we didn't look before. And so we always respond when we have this period of attack time compression. Now let's jump to today because today is what I'm excited about. Today we have a potential period with the development of hypersonic weapons where we may have another period of attack time compression. Now, many folks will point out correctly that hypersonic weapons, which are at least Mach 5, are generally not as fast as an ICBM, which is going to fly at about Mach 15. And that's correct. But hypersonics may not necessarily be launched from the same places as an ICBM, for example. So they can be launched off of a ballistic missile, but they can also be air-launched or they launch from different types of missiles that might not be silo-based ballistic missiles, for example. And then, of course, when they maneuver, if they're on one trajectory and they, they maneuver, and they can maneuver a thousand miles in a very short period of time, in a matter of seconds, you don't have the same amount of time to prepare or to mitigate that strike. So you, again, have a period of attack time compression. The same is also true with low observable cruise missiles. So for example, the Russians have low observable cruise missiles that they can launch from their own bombers in their own airspace, which we don't have the capability to detect either through space-based means or with terrestrial radars. So there's a potential that we might not know ahead of time. So we might only know when there's a boom or we might just have a few minutes of warning because of a, you know, a visible detection, for example, we see them. And so therefore, another example of attack time compression. And then if you add on to this sort of weapons-focused, this offensive weapons-focused attack time compression challenge where we're getting less and less and less ability to have the time to respond. If you throw in the cyber challenge, 
in which an adversary could potentially penetrate our NC3 systems. Hopefully they never will. But if they were able to penetrate our NC3 systems, and they wouldn't have to destroy them, they would merely have to deceive the United States such that we didn't know that what might be in the air was in the air. And so we could have cyber attacks against our NC3 networks terrestrially, or we could have cyber attacks against our space-based integrated tactical warning and attack assessment. And that again, in and of itself, creates an attack time compression problem. So let's just wrap this all up. Attack time compression has been a problem for the United States for roughly 60 years. And in each instance, when the Russians thus far have developed a new capability that decreased the amount of time that the United States had to respond, attack time compression, that's what that is, the United States has always focused on developing improved integrated tactical warning and attack assessment. And right now, we have some capabilities in hypersonics, low observables, cyber, that very well may compress that time even further. And we're going to have to be able to respond in the years ahead. Thanks for listening to this episode of Nuclear Knowledge. A production of the National Institute for Deterrence Studies.